Thank you so much. It's such an honor and a joy to be with you this Sunday morning. I always like to say when I'm in San Antonio that I've made my home in Dallas since 2005, but long before that I was a Spurs fan, and I still am. Um, I had a David Robinson poster on my wall for his entire career from start to finish. Um, my mom was finally like, are you going to take that down? You're an older person now. Um, so it's always a delight to be in San Antonio, and what a joy to be with you all today. Thank you, Holly, for your kind words. So what does it mean to pray? I don't think I knew that I was even asking that question when I went on pilgrimage a few years ago, but that was the question that became my companion, and its response has profoundly shaped my life. When I was invited on this pilgrimage with a group of pastors in the DFW area, it couldn't have come at a better time because I had just made the very difficult decision to step down from pastoring a church that I loved and adored. And while I knew for sure that God was calling me into something new, I wasn't sure what it was. It was still unnervingly unclear. What I did know for sure was how tired I was. I was soul-tired. I was bone-tired. And I knew that the one thing that I needed most of all was to spend time with God. I know that sounds incredibly corny, but here's what I mean. For someone who spent so much of her time talking about God, reading about God, talking and writing about God, I just felt this piercing need to be quiet to enjoy God, rather than always feeling the need to explain God. For that reason, I started my pilgrimage with this one rule, no words, hard for me. No reading, no writing, no journaling, just go on pilgrimage and be silent. But as you likely know, the Spirit often has different plans. And so what happened was I got into the first church on this two-week pilgrimage. I sat down and prepared for silent prayer. And the Lord's Prayer came to me like an invitation, beckoning me on a journey. And even though it broke the rules, I'm very glad that I said yes. I couldn't possibly have known at that time that that one yes was a much deeper invitation into the contemplative life, one that continues to form me to this day. But at the end of that pilgrimage, I began to realize something again, something so simple that I had forgotten in all the busyness of ministry and reading and words and ideas. I forgot that prayer is simply about the experience of being in the presence of God. Prayer is how we live and move and have our being in God. It's not as much about the words as it is about the space that we create when we enter into prayer. So I define prayer simply as the conscious act of being with God because we know, of course, at least up here, God is always with us, always, at every moment of every day. And so prayer is that time where we consciously and intentionally decide to be in that presence, to acknowledge it, to feel it, and experience it. We can say words, we can be quiet, we can move or be still, we can have our eyes open or closed. It's all prayer when we're consciously choosing 
to be with God in those moments. But here's the thing. If we come with a posture that takes up too much space, we don't leave enough room in our awareness to experience that presence of God. I know you all have been talking about Ecclesiastes for Lent, and so it feels only fitting to bring these words into our conversation. Watch your step when you go into God's house. It's more acceptable to listen than to offer the fool sacrifice. Don't be quick with your mouth to say anything hastily before God. Let your words be few. And I know some of that sounds a little bit naggy, like a wagging finger, but I want you to hear what it's inviting us to do in prayer. Because Jesus says something similar in Matthew 6 when he says, don't pour out a flood of empty words like the Gentiles do. They think that by saying many things, they will be heard. And I wonder if what he meant in that is that they think that they have to say a lot of words to be heard. But here's the thing. Prayer is not a courtroom. You don't have to plead your case. You don't have to make a statement. You don't have to shout to be heard. God is already listening. God already knows what it is that we need. And something began, begins to shift in us when we start to recognize that prayer isn't about trying to be heard as much as it is a time to realize that God is already listening. Prayer is an invitation to dwell with the one who knows us and loves us best. And the point of prayer is that when we feel that knowing and belovedness, we are changed. Just before the verses that we read, Jesus also said, don't be like those people who stand on the corner and pray loudly. They've already received their reward. He says instead, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is present in that secret place. The Aramaic here for that word, room, that we are supposed to go into can also be translated heart shrine. Hmm. Go into that sanctuary of your heart where God dwells. Just listen. Just be present. And what strikes me in all of these verses and other verses besides is how much time we waste trying to prove ourselves in prayer. All this movement, all this performance, all these words, it's just wasteful energy. It's totally unnecessary. And worst of all, I think it moves us to a place that is the exact opposite of what prayer is meant to be for us. It's the opposite of the heart shrine. It feels more like hustle culture than the place where we go where we are known and loved and accepted and changed by that. So what if we could just stop all the moving and the hustling and the proving and the talking, the performance, and simply rest in the belovedness that waits for us in prayer. What became clear to me as I prayed the Lord's Prayer over and over again in all the places that we traveled in 
in the Holy Land, which included, of course, all the churches, but also the bus, restaurants, the Stars and Bucks Cafe in Jerusalem. I prayed that prayer in a lot of different places. What I realized is that my prayer life had become something that was more movement than being moved. It had become more list than listening. And I had to come to the very difficult realization that I was trying in my prayer life to do homework that God had never assigned. I think it's been one of the most hard and rewarding practices of my life to trust that simply being present to God is enough, that it counts, right? Because even when people told me that prayer was about listening, I thought it was about listening for what I was supposed to do, listening for what was supposed to come next, listening for the thing that God wanted me to do to be most faithful so I could prove myself. When really it's more about listening with God, moving into that rhythm of life that is divinely unfolding all the time around us. Because this divine participation is when transformation actually happens. It's, that's when we become who God made us to be. Isn't that funny? All this time we do all these things in prayer trying to make it happen, and actually it happens when we just sit there, when we do nothing at all. There's that old line in that Rich Mullins song, I did not make it, no, it is making me, and I believe it. There comes this time in prayer when it moves beyond mere words and becomes an experience. The prayer starts to pray us. And it's at that moment of total presence and surrender that holy work is most powerfully done. And there's this particularly holy way that we do that when we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. You know, of all the things that Jesus could have said on this day when they said, what does it mean for us to pray, this is what he said. And it feels holy to me because it's a sacred opportunity to listen in on God's heart. We come to God to tell God what's on our hearts. But in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus lets us in and see what's on God's heart. What do you want, God, for us and for your creation? What rhythms does God most want us to feel in our bones when we dwell in His presence? And it's not about a big message that's waiting to be revealed. It's not about instructions really at all. It's not as much about listening for God as it is about learning how to listen with God, how to be with God in the listening. It's less direction and more way. Truth be told, I think that faith might be more about feeling it out than figuring it out. And that pains me to say as a nerd, you know? I have spent an inordinate amount of time reading books, pages and pages of theology, just trying to figure it all out. None of that means a single thing, though, if it doesn't actually find a home in our bodies and make a difference in our lives. When I work with people in spiritual direction, my primary goal is to help them to get closer to that feeling, to that experience that is beyond our knowing, right? 
to get close to that soul song where they already know what to do even though it doesn't feel like directions. They know the way. When we get near to that, wisdom comes into focus and faithfulness becomes possible. So how can we draw near to the faithfulness that shows us this way in the Lord's Prayer? Well, to be honest, I fear that our English translations worried a little bit more about making it sound virtuous or right. And gosh, translation is a tricky business anyway. And it's hard to capture the poetic simplicity of the Aramaic that Jesus actually spoke it in. So I'm so deeply grateful to Neil Douglas Klotz, who's done work in Aramaic and wrote this lovely book called Prayers of the Cosmos, where he tries to help us understand the Aramaic poetic intuitions that are happening in this text, which is helpful because it's something so known to us that sometimes it, it lands flat. So the word abwun is translated our father, but it means so much more than that. It's this term of endearment, but it's also cosmic. It's like we're calling on God who is the oneness that guides us into light and goodness. And there is parental protection here. You almost hear it in the sound of the word, abwoon, like a womb. There's strength and softness. We call on God from that place. Hallowed be thy name is sometimes translated as uphold the holiness of your name. And the visual here is of clearing out a space within us where God's name can dwell. It's the same kind of feeling that Jesus meant when he said for us to go into our heart shrines when we pray. We go into a space where God's name is hallowed and honored because that's where prayer always begins. Thy kingdom come is something like, may this holy rule come to guide me from within, and may it come to guide us into unity. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven is again a way of desiring to see the world like God sees the world. And I love that Douglas Klotz translates that as, create in me a divine cooperation. Give us this day our daily bread takes on additional meaning when we realize that bread doesn't just mean food, but also knowing and understanding. God, feed us with the nourishment that you give us for body, mind, and soul. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This one might be our, my favorite, and it might be the one I think we miss the feeling of the most. It means something like, return us to our original goodness and help us offer that path of return to others as well, even when they've wronged us. Isn't that beautiful? I've always gotten a little caught up in lead us not into temptation because it kind of sounds like God is potentially going to lead us into temptation. Thankfully, the Aramaic is a little more clear. It says, don't let us be fooled by illusions, God. Help us to see it clearly. And deliver us from evil is not quite so doom and gloom. It's more like guide us into true right action. Help us to do the thing that's going to be most good and true and beautiful. And then that final line, 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You almost hear the melody in it. It's such a Jewish way to end a prayer. You end where you began with the God who holds all things, who is the sovereign creator and lover of all things, the place where we get harmony and where wholeness happens for all of us. We return to the fullness and goodness of God. The beauty of the Lord's Prayer is that it allows us to participate in God's heart. It's a sacred gift because it's what Jesus gave to us to let us listen in on the melody of God's world, this most sacred song. And so if we gathered up all of these Aramaic intuitions, the prayer could sound something like this. Oneness of God, divine loving parent, create in us a holy space where your name can dwell. May your divine rhythms of life rule in us and guide us. Create in us a divine cooperation. Let us feast, God, on your nourishment for body, mind, and soul. Return us to our original state of goodness and may we offer a path of return to others, even those who have wronged us. Protect us from illusions and guide us into all truth. For all creation gathers within your power and glory where you will hold us forever. This prayer is not homework. It is an invitation to exhale. It's an invitation to dwell with the Spirit at presence of God who is moving us towards wholeness every moment. So in these remaining days of Lent, how can we find the spaciousness within us to experience God's presence and God's song? If you'd invite me, I'd like us to just spend one minute this morning as we're gathered to drop into the conscious awareness of God's presence in this room, the one that's been here between us and within us this whole time. So I invite you just for a minute to close your eyes, to make sure you feel your feet firmly underneath you, to rest your hands gently and without tension in your lap. To just notice your breath, realize you have to do not one single thing for that thing to happen. Feel the presence of Abwun, our divine loving parent.
holy God. May the love that you have placed at the center of our hearts be the source from which we live. May that love come alive in us and guide us and empower us to love others as you love. Remind us above all, O oh God, that we can always come home to you, to this place, to this heart shrine, that the fullness of life is there waiting for us in every moment. And all God's people said, Amen.